Hello, humans. Hello, 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 humans of the world. Humans of Minneapolis or the Twin Cities and of greater Minnesota and of the world. Hello, it's me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. How are you? I hope your Monday is starting well. Um, Yes, this is the last day and the last Monday of September coincidentally, the last day. And I don't know about you. For me, though, that marks the end of warm and the beginning of cold. It does. And so I am not, I'm not happy about it whatsoever. I'm a bicyclist. I will have a few more days in October where I can get out on my bike, hopefully a little more than a few, but we will see. But those days are going to be with, you know, sweatshirts on and, and leggings and all. Ah, ah, ah. And then, so October is like the, the month where you start to do that. And then November, forget it. It's over, you know, and, and November begins the beginning of the bad, you know, of the big of the big five going all the way uh, through March. And I'm just, uh, I don't even want to talk about that yet, so we'll get to that. Okay, all right, enough about the weather, Ellie. Suddenly you're the weather person. Hi. Today's uh, theme today is about female, females or women, uh, idealists making a difference in the world. I'd like to think that I'm one of them, even though, of course, I sound like a dude. The big interview is with Stephanie Glaros, um, the author of Humans of Minneapolis. It's a book as well as the executive director of that same name, well, of a nonprofit with that same name. I've had Stephanie on uh, before. Uh, I love Stephanie. She's doing great work, and she's going to come and talk about what she's got going on now. But let's start now with another female, um, actually um, a 16-year-old teenage girl, um, putting quotation marks around the phrase girl, whose name uh, you've seen, perhaps not heard pronounced, but, um, but I'm going to assume that many of you are not uh, particularly f- are fully familiar with her. I am speaking of Greta Thunberg, uh, and spelled uh, T-H-U-N-B-E-R-G for the last name, uh, who is Swedish. Uh, She's a human born in Sweden who has near single-handedly refocused the world on paying attention to climate change. In fact, I'm taping this show on Friday, September 20th, which is a day of global climate strike to force politicians to act out Um, To act, not act out, but to act on climate change. We've got to get them to stop acting out. We've got to get them to start acting, actually. So many of you may remember, I mean, by the time you hear the show, uh, September 20th, there'll be maybe a distant memory. But some of you may have had children who said, we're not going, I'm not going to school today. And I'm going to go march. I'm going to go protest. Um, and and these uh, these uh, protests are happening across the world right now as I speak, and they are about how um, the people in charge, that is our leaders, are not uh, doing what they need to do. You know, our leaders, many of them, um, including the um, denier in chief in our country, and we won't even get into that. Um, believe that climate change is not real, or at least to the extent they believe that it's happening, they think that it's due to natural forces and nothing related to man-made. Yesterday, so again, I'm taping this, on September 19th, uh, Greta Thunberg testified before Congress, 
where she said that the world sees the U.S. as one of the largest contributors to global warming. There was a passage that I saw on uh, Rachel Maddow last night where she was playing. There was a, um, a Republican um, congressman uh, trying to get uh, Greta to criticize China as the world's biggest polluter. And, you know, Greta wasn't really having any, any of it. <laughs> And she said, well, frankly, the way we look at it in, in Sweden is we see that the U.S. is one of the largest contributors to global warming. We have, of course, about 10% of the population of the world, if even that, but we produce 25% of the world's greenhouse gases. Who is Greta Thunberg, and how did this young idealist show up on the world stage? Well, it's all happened so very quickly. Less than two years, actually. She is the daughter of a Swedish opera singer and an actor. She first heard about um, climate change when she was eight years old, and it appalled her, and she couldn't understand why nothing was being done about it. She later urged her parents to reduce their carbon footprint. And I, I have the sense that she is a very persistent human, because um, eventually Greta's entire family gave up meat. They've gone vegan. Um, and they've also uh, foregone air travel because air travel increases carbon footprint. That was uh, huge consequences for um, uh, Greta's mother because her mother um, is an international opera star. And as a result of her giving up, airline travel, um, she can only perform in places where there is rail service connected to Sweden. Um, in, this, in the spring of last year, so this is the spring of 2018, Greta's activism stepped uh, beyond that of her family. She has said that she's taken a cue on activism from the Parkland, Florida students and their efforts around gun control, of course, after the... Um, horrific shooting at uh, Marjorie uh, Stoneman, Stoneham Douglas uh, School in Parkland. Um, in May of 2018, I mean, we're not even a year and a half ago, Greta won um, a climate change essay contest in Sweden. And then last August, so barely a year ago, and in se early September, so for three weeks, school had already started in Sweden, and she didn't go to school for three weeks, and instead she stood outside the Swedish parliament holding a sign that said, school, quote, school strike for climate change, unquote. Uh, she did this alone because none of her classmates were interested in joining her for her protest outside the parliament. And, you know, this is the thing about idealists is that um, – it's not a popularity contest, uh, the work that we do, the work of being an idealist. You just do it, and you feel compelled to do it, and you do it. And if you're joined, great, and if you're not, you still do it. You still do it. So it happened that the summer of 2018 was the hottest ever in Sweden, and it also produced a record number of forest fires. So this started to get people's attention that she was outside of parliament. And then people uh, started tweeting about her, and some of those were big people with, you know, a couple hundred, half a million followers. Um, and then uh, she got further recognition, and um, it just it just kind of mushroomed from there. Um, Time magazine uh, last year in 20, 
excuse me, this year, 2019, Time Magazine named her one of the 100 most influential people of the year. And a couple of, of, of important people even nominated uh, Greta for this year's 2019 Nobel Peace Prize, but she did not get that. In August, so we're talking uh, a month ago, uh, Greta sailed across the Atlantic on a 60-foot racing yacht. She had a, There was a crew with her. She didn't do it alone, although I had initially thought that she had done it alone. And she did that to highlight global warming and her stand about reducing carbon footprints um, because flying uh, increases that. So she came across the Atlantic, and she's been in the U.S. for about three weeks now uh, speaking. Um, she's spoken at the UN and to Congress. Um, consistent with the themes that she has spoken as she, since she's been in the U.S. and before she got here, she was in Poland in December. And when she was there, as reported, I'm, gonna, I'm reporting now from Common Dreams in a December 2018 blog um, online piece. Um, and the piece is written by John Quealy, Q-U-E-A-L-L-Y. He's reporting on her speaking in Poland. Um, and, um, and this is what he reports. Quote, Thunberg said that she was not asking anything of the gathered leaders even as she sat next to U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres, but only asking the people of the world to, quote, realize that our political leaders have failed us because we are facing an existential threat and there's no time to continue down this road of madness, unquote. The article goes on to say that Thunberg explained that while the world consumes an estimated 100 million barrels of oil each day, uh, quote, there are no politics to change that. There are no politics to keep oil in the ground. So we can no longer save the world by playing by the rules because the rules have to be changed, unquote. She goes on to say, as reported in this piece, quote, so we have not come here to beg the world leaders to care for our future, she declared. They have ignored us in the past and they will ignore us again. We have come here to let them know that change is coming. Whether they like it or not, the people will rise to the challenge, unquote. She's 16 years old. She speaks um, truth to power. I mean, this is a, this is a, a 16-year-old woman who is fearless. Can you imagine? And this climate change thing, of course, is real. And, of course, in the United States right now, we just lack total leadership on it. We're going backwards, of course. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and the, the debate will frame uh, the 2020 election. So there you have it. A very small sh uh, snapshot of Greta Thunberg, but hopefully uh, it's been helpful to you because it certainly helped me um, understand her better as I researched for uh, this segment of the show. All right, you've got me, Ellie Krug. If you like me, want to hear more about me, go to my website at elliekrug.com um, or visit or email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. We've got uh, we, Stephanie Glaros coming up in a minute. Thanks. At Better Futures Minnesota, we transform the lives of men and support Minnesota's environment by working towards zero waste. Our approach reaffirms each man's dignity and supports self-sufficiency. Better Futures Minnesota is a work training model. 
through our reuse, retail warehouse, and supervised work crews with specialized in residential and commercial building deconstruction, property maintenance, appliance recycling, and janitorial services, we demonstrate ways to employ hire-to-employ men on a pathway to independence. Hire our work crews at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hey everyone, Ellie Krug here from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. This month, I'm sharing about opportunities to hear me in person. One opportunity is at Grace Lutheran Church in Andover, Minnesota on October 6 from 6 to 8 p.m. There, I'll be presenting my human inclusivity training, Gray Area Thinking. Go to graceandover.org for details. This is a free event. That's me, Ellie Krug, the idealist, trying to make the world better. I hope to see you on October 6 at Grace Lutheran Church. We're back on AM 950, LE 2.0 Radio. If you're watching on uh, Facebook Live, you're seeing me doing my signature seat dancing to the bumper music. Well, Greta Thunberg, I'll tell you, um, uh, she is somebody all of us will be learning from. I have a really good idea that she is not going anywhere and will become far more pronounced as we go along. And uh, so now we're on to the big interview and uh, talking about somebody who's not who who's sticking around and doing incredible work. Our big interview, as I said at the at the top of the show, is with Stephanie Glero. Stephanie is here with me in the studio. Stephanie, how are you? I'm doing great. Welcome to Ellie 2.0 Radio uh, again. I think I've I've had you uh, last year sometime. On the show, and then um, I had you even way back in my uh, days of Hidden Edges Radio. Um, and the reason I keep having you back is because you're an incredible human, and um, and particularly you're an idealist like me. So I'm really thrilled that you're here. I'm really happy to be back. So for the uh, so for the audience' sake, um, you're running a nonprofit, Humans of Minneapolis, right? Yes. And I guess we should just make sure everybody cl- is understands that I actually happen to be on the board of your nonprofit. Yes. Yes. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. Not only that, you and I are also friends. We should make sure that people understand that as yes. well. Yes. But I don't think that precludes you from being on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. All right. So why don't you tell us, um, well, first of all, you're the author of a book, Humans of Minneapolis. And why don't you give the audience just a, a little bit of a quick idea about how that book came about and then how it translated into a nonprofit for you. So Humans of Minneapolis is a storytelling project that, for me, uh, grew out of a desire to interact with the people I was running into on my walk to and from work in downtown Minneapolis originally. So I've always been a photographer, so I started using my camera as an excuse to interact with people who were different from me, just to sort of break down those social barriers. Eventually, I discovered Humans of New York, uh, which is a project that's probably the most popular thing on the internet, and 
I relaunched my project inspired by Humans of New York as Humans of Minneapolis. So I added a, a, an interview conversation portion. So I'm taking people's pictures who I'm approaching in public spaces. Total strangers. Parks, sidewalks, things like that. Finding out a little bit about them, having a, a conversation, and then sharing their stories on social media. So that was the, the origin of the project. Then in 2016, uh, I released a book, which was just a compilation, a curated compilation of the best images and best stories from the project. Well, it's quite a book, so don't attach the word just to it, because it's just a phenomenal book about humans attempting to survive the human condition. Well, and I appreciate that. I am from the Midwest, so we like to use the, the word just a lot. Anyway, uh, so we, when the book came out, you know, it was kind of a, a, a turning point for me in terms of the project. It really forced me to really think about, you know, what does it make sense to, for me to do next? You know, it was sort of a culmination of, you know, at that point, six, six years of work. Uh, and, you know, the question became, well, what do you do now? And another kind of thing that happened as I was creating the book was that it gave me an opportunity to follow up with some of the people who I had interviewed because I, I wanted to do some follow-up stories in the book. And what I learned was that the project was rippling out in positive ways that I never could have anticipated. Yep. Uh, people were profoundly affected, you know, not only by having the opportunity to, to share their stories, but then as well, seeing people's, you know, positive encouragement on social media was really affecting people far more than, than I ever realized. Well, you, you started to find that as you shared stories on Facebook about the people that you were meeting and photo uh, photographing, that people wanted to actually reach out and help those folks. Exactly. So that was kind of the other piece that, that led me to the nonprofit was a realization that there was a lot of people who wanted to contribute somehow. They want to help. I would get yep. people who would approach me. They wanted, they, either they want to help the subject of the story if they expressed a need or they just wanted to help me with the project. And I really didn't have a way to hook those people in at that point. At that point, it was really just a personal artistic project for me. It was a creative outlet. So as I was thinking about what to do next, that's when I sort of thought and, and realized that, you know, a nonprofit structure would sort of allow me to take care of both of those things. So now, you know, I have a way to plug people in who want to help. Uh, and it just helps me to, you know, really expand what I'm doing in, in new and really exciting ways. So 2018, uh, I launched the nonprofit. Yep. And ever since then, uh, you know, I'd say we've been uh, finding our footing in some ways. But, uh, you know, where we're at now is, is really, really exciting. So the mission of the nonprofit is... Basically, we just use storytelling to help people understand each other better. That's, that's kind of the, the core of what we do. Now, that can take uh, various forms. So, you know, one thing that I'm doing is, you know, continuing to do that, what I call community engagement. So, you know, approaching people in public spaces. I'm training some, some uh, younger photographers now and, and mentoring them to help me with that work. As well, we're branching out and doing more uh, collaborations, so finding other organizations whose strengths complement ours and then working on projects with them. So as somebody listening right now and they're uh, tied to an organization that <clears throat> wants to 
reach out to humans, wants to increase uh, the capacity for empathy, because that's really the underlying thing that we're talking about here, they could get a hold of you, right? Yeah, and and you know, typically what we've done in the past is. You know, one let's say one example of a collaboration might be working with a nonprofit and helping to tell the stories of the people who are benefiting from their work as a way to uplift that organization and, and shine, a, shine a spotlight on the great work that they're doing. Right. And um, when we start talking about nonprofits and organizations, I mean, you've been working with the VFW in Uptown, right? Yes. They've been an excellent partner for me for the past couple of years. Um, and so, and one of the things, so the third thing that we do are events. Uh, so, you know, as a, uh, an example, we've been working in collaboration with the Hennepin History Museum to create a series of events uh, that are meant to foster understanding between people in the community. So uh, we had Being Black in July, Being Veteran in August. Last night we had Being Somali. And then next month we have Being LGBTQ. So basically I'm curating a panel discussion with people who I've interviewed for the project in the past, who I think, you know, just offer really interesting perspectives. And now we're bringing the conversations that I get to have with people, which are just really mind opening. Um, and then doing that in a forum where, you know, there's an audience and sort of a, an opportunity for other people to listen in. Okay. Quickly, uh, before we take our break, can you give folks uh, the email or excuse me, the website address for Humans of Minneapolis? Because I know they're wondering. Yes, humansofminneapolis.org, and you can also search for us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Okay. Well, when we come back from our break, Steph, we'll talk more about Humans of Minneapolis, more about your work, but most importantly, more about you, because you're an idealist. You're actually one of my favorite idealists that I know, and I think that it's important that uh, audience members hear about about how you got to where you are. So listeners, you're listening to me, Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. I'd love hearing from you. And please follow me on Twitter. The handle is at Ellie Krug. We'll be back in a sec. At Better Futures Minnesota, we believe everyone deserves a fair shot. We believe in personal redemption and second chances, and that those who are dedicated to change and hard work should have the opportunity to achieve success and make a positive impact in the community. The men we embrace and serve have made mistakes, but they aren't bad people. We work with men who take responsibility for their past and are committed to doing better, who work to create a better life for themselves, their family, and the community. Learn more at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. Hey everyone, Ellie Krug here from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. This month, I'm sharing about opportunities to hear me in person. I'm having an open house on Thursday, October 17th in Minneapolis. Come hear about my work and about my nonprofit, Human Ripple Works, Inc. You need to register. There's no charge, but I need a headcount. To register, go to elliekrug.com and see the upcoming engagements page. Scroll down, click on the link for October 17th to register. That's me, Ellie the Idealist, trying to make the world better. Hope to see you. Branding electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body wax, facials, micro-needling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com.
And we're back on AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. Uh, we've been speaking with Stephanie Gleros, uh, the executive director of Humans of Minneapolis, as well as the author of a book by that title, Humans of Minneapolis. And that reminds me, if people want to buy your book, Steph, where can they get the book? And by the way, listeners, I have actually two copies of that book, one that's on my coffee table and the other that is in the hands of my mentee, Jasmine, who I've talked about before. And Jasmine loves going through that book with me and reading from it and telling me these stories. So where can people get your book? You can get the book on my website, which is stephanieglaros.com. Okay. And is it available on Amazon or Kindle? Not or no? currently. Not cu- currently. Okay. Well, it's well worth it because if they get it from you, it can be inscribed, right? That's also true. <laughs> All right. So, so Steph, uh, um, in terms of uh, Humans of Minneapolis, the nonprofit, what, uh, um, what do you have coming up about it and how can people get involved if they want to? Well, I think, you know, where I see us kind of going is uh, a few different things. You know, one is we really plan to continue to do more live events and create opportunities for not only people to share their stories, but for the people who are there to uh, connect with each other. So, you know, I mean, it's great. Sharing these stories online is very powerful, uh, but I don't feel like they have quite the same impact as when you actually, you know, make a, a connection with someone in, in real life. Yep. Uh, so, you know, for example, at being Somali last night, uh, it was great. One of the, the questioners was uh, a counselor from a school in Robbinsdale, and her question was, you know, how do I best engage uh, the parents of some of my Somali students? And as it turned out, one of the panelists runs a nonprofit called UMA Project that empowers uh, Somali youth, and she works with some of the schools. So now, you know, the two of them made a connection, so they're going to work together to, um, you know, help each other, collaborate with each other to, um, you know, to to fulfill both of their goals. So we plan to do more uh, panel discussions. Uh, I'm planning on starting a podcast uh, this winter. Oh, well, that is darn cool. Yeah, that's kind of recent. So, so you know, I've really uh, uh, convinced myself that that's one of the the best ways to to reach people, just, you know, podcasting being so popular right now. So right. Uh, I actually found a volunteer former student who's going to help me uh, produce those. So uh, that's coming up. And we'll just continue to, you know, share the types of, of stories that we share, which, you know... Uh, Part of our mission is to, to share stories not only that are compelling, but also that are positive and hopeful. Uh, so, you know, we'll continue to work along those those lines and, and share as many stories as poss- possible and, and connect as many people as we possibly can. Well, now let's talk about you, because I know that you didn't, you um, 20 years ago when you set out on your career, you did not envision that you'd be running a nonprofit um, nor I am going to assume did you envision being in a room trying to connect people through empathy. Do I have that right? Absolutely <laughs> no way. I would have when I started this project, I couldn't have even began to conceive of of where it would take me and how it would change me as a person, frankly. Uh, you know it's it's something that I've realized is that I've I haven't just been practicing photography, I've been practicing empathy. Uh, so I've really noticed how, my own capacity for empathy has grown, and so now one of the other things I do is I do talks and I teach workshops 
to help other people cultivate empathy, not only for other people, but also for themselves. So not unlike most nonprofit executive directors of small nonprofits, you wear a couple of hats. One is you've got the ED hat on where you show up as the representative of the nonprofit. But then we have Stephanie Glaros, human, Stephanie Glaros trying to make a difference on her own outside of the nonprofit. And for this, you do workshops and uh, and teaching and, and coaching and things of that nature. Do I have that right? Yeah, and it's that's also part of my background. I've been a teacher at the community college level for the past eight years. So really, it's just a, a natural sort of extension of yep. the teaching that I've, you know, I've been a teacher for a long time. I think once a teacher, always a teacher. So that's just part of what I do. So you're going in and you're doing workshops around empathy building, right? Yep, yep. Okay. Do you want to describe what one of those workshops looks like? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's a, a, a sort of a presentation component where I talk about the things that I've learned and and the ways that I've changed uh, through this work, but then also, you know, uh, researching empathy and, and realizing that I think there's some misconceptions about empathy. Uh, it's not something that we're just born with and we only have a certain amount and that's it and the story's over. It's actually something that research has shown you can cultivate and you can grow and you can expand, uh, you know, just like any other muscle in your body, you can increase your capacity for empathy. Uh, and so I give people tools and ways that they can do that. And then, you know, kind of the second part, and, and it would be more like the workshop part, is uh, helping people have more empathy for themselves, which turns out can be the more difficult of the two. Uh, being kind to yourself and remembering to, you know, not let yourself be your own worst critic and, and you know, all of the things that we all as part of the human condition, we all do, uh, you know, trying to use actually mindfulness to kind of counteract that, that voice in your head is sort of the other piece. Well, you know, you're, um, you're very uh, astute and you've got some really great emotional intelligence. So I know that your workshops are very effective, that people love them. And so, and if somebody wants to find out about your workshop um, with you as Stephanie Glaros, without the executive director hat on, how do they do that? You would also just go to my personal website, which is stephanieglaros.com. Okay. All right. So um, we've got about six minutes left. Let's talk about you, idealist. Okay. And I know I've had you on before, and you had talked a little bit about how your dad had impacted you in some ways. I mean, what? Um, how did you get here, and, and then how are you staying here? Because you and I share something. We're both armies of one. And... Um, while on the one hand that provides great freedom, on the other hand, it can be very fatiguing. So I'd love to hear from you about that. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's funny because you, when you look back on your life, you kind of realize that you're, you know, the culmination of all of your experiences and everything that you've done. And, and it feels like as as strange it is, as it is to kind of be doing what I'm doing now because I never would have, uh, you know, expected it or imagined it, it also makes, like, complete 100% mm -hmm. total sense just because of who I am and how I was raised. I mean, uh, you know, both of my parents were, were very positive. I come from a very glass-half-full kind of uh, family. I come from, you know, a family of people who uh, care about fairness and justice in the world. Uh, you know, I, I was raised to, you know, respect people. Uh, and and I've always been someone who's curious about people. And I've always been the type of person who's sort of friends with lots of different people. Like even in high school, I was just someone who 
I kind of got along with all types of different people, and I've always recognized and been interested in people who are different than me and, and wanting to learn about different perspectives and wanting to... So you're curious. Always been very curious, and I yep. just... I'm also very interested in, in psychology, you know, so it kind of... Uh, and then, of course, the photography piece has always been my, my creative outlet. So it really combines, again, my teaching background, my photography background, uh, and then just my, my background being someone who, uh, who enjoys people and loves people and, and is curious. And then how do I keep keep at it uh, uh, a lot of self-care. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm a strong believer in understanding your own limits and, you know, understanding that we only have so much energy. There's only so many hours in the day. And so trying to be disciplined and trying to, again, practice what I preach and have empathy for myself and, and, right. and just letting myself Number one, you know, letting myself make mistakes, not beating myself up. If something doesn't go perfect, I really try to just, you know, learn from it and move on rather than, you know, kicking myself for the next few weeks or whatever uh, and, and, and kind of moving forward. And, and, and mindfulness is actually a huge part of my, my life as well. So as much as possible trying to, you know, focus on the present moment and, and do as best I can at whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing right now. So that's part of it. Well, it's, I mean, obvious, all of that is incredibly important. Um, and, and, you know, I'm wondering if you have, like I have, the burn. And by that, the burn, for, for me, it's every day, this idea that I've got to make a difference, that I've got to work to make the world a better place. Yes, I can give myself a day off, but it's not, those aren't very often. <laughs> Um, and What's even, that? <laughs> and even when I have the day off, I'm still thinking about using my imagination. How can I make the world better? How can I help people connect? You and I are in the same business. We're doing the same things. We actually have talked about uh, doing a complimentary, doing one big event between the two of us with our work, which I still think would be a heck of a great idea. You know, and so do you have the burn like I do? Absolutely. It's something... When you're luck, when you're fortunate enough to be in a position to, to do what you love to do every day, yeah, it really drives you. And it's you know it's it's like it's the first thing I think of when I wake up in the morning, and I, and I just you know I jump on my computer. I mean, there's always too much to do. Like you said, when you're a one person show, there's just there's never going to be enough hours in the day. And the to do right. list, all it does is grow. It never seems to you know go down. But but I'm so driven by, again, just this idea of, you know, I'm in a position, I have a platform, uh, and I'm in a position where I can really make a real difference in people's lives and in our community. And really, my, my ultimate goal with, with all of my work is to make the world, but more, you know, more specifically, our local community here more inclusive. Yep. And just to, to help people just understand each other better, because I feel like there's just, there's so much that we allow to get in the way of, of, just that basic human connection that, that is possible with, with, with anybody. Well, the biggest thing we get allowed to get in the way is fear. Absolutely. And you know? fear is a huge motivator. It's, I think it's what motivates most of our actions, frankly. But I feel like some of that fear we, it's, is self-created. And we, and we no. create it. It's not a real threat. It's, it's just a, a perceived threat. And if you can – if you're motivated and if you want to – 
you can push through it. I know you can't because I had to push through my fear of approaching strangers on the street. I, I was so afraid to do it. I had to absolutely force myself to do it. So I know that those fears can be yep. pushed through. And, and, and if I can do it, anybody can do it, really. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I mean, we could continue to talk here, but we're going to run out of time. And so, uh, Steph, you know, um, I just want to tell you that I admire you greatly, greatly, because... You know, you, 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 you fell into something, all right, and then you didn't ignore it. And then you realized, hold on a second, this is about the human heart. That's In the end, that's really what it's about. You know, and I say that 98% of us are, are good people. We have all good empathetic hearts, 2% total sociopath. But I just wish you the best um, as you go forward with Humans of Minneapolis. And um, I... We'll have you back on the show again because you're one of my favorite guests in the world because of all that you're doing. Awesome. So thanks so very much for being on LE 2.0 Radio. Thanks for having me, Ellie. All right, at listeners, that was Stephanie Glaros with Humans of Minneapolis. You can go find out uh, more about that at humansofminneapolis.org or stephanieglaros.com. And um, if you want to find out about me, <clears throat> it's just elliekrug.com. You know that. Um, and uh, please follow me at Twitter at Ellie Krug. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Ellie Krug here from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. This month, I'm sharing about opportunities to hear me in person. I'm having an open house on Thursday, October 17th in Minneapolis. Come hear about my work and about my nonprofit, Human Ripple Works, Inc. You need to register. There's no charge, but I need a headcount. To register, go to elliekrug.com and see the upcoming engagements page. Scroll down, click on the link for October 17th to register. That's me, Ellie the Idealist, trying to make the world better. Hope to see you. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body wax, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Better Futures Minnesota is a social enterprise which helps men achieve self-sufficiency and a better future for themselves and their communities. We need your help. By donating time or funds to our cause, you can support us and promote a healthier environment. By hiring our deconstruction crews for your next residential or commercial project and shopping or donating building materials or appliances to our reuse retail warehouse, you are supporting Better Futures Minnesota and your community. Please visit BetterFuturesMinnesota.com to learn more. And we're back on AM 950. Uh, Stephanie Glaros, I mean, listen, uh, you've got to go. I strongly urge you to go to one of her events because um, she is just uh, a natural um, with evoking empathy for humans and teaching about it. I mean, just does an incredibly wonderful job. And I'm not saying that just because I'm her friend, because I believe that before I became her friend. So there you go. All right, we're in my C block now where I talk a little bit about my work. Um, and if I don't plug these beforehand and if I save them to the end, I won't remember it. So uh, those of you who've been hearing who 
tune in to the station regularly and maybe tune into Ellie Krug, you, uh, uh, Ellie 2.0 Radio, you know I've got a couple of events coming up, and I'd just like to make sure that you're aware of them. So on Sunday, October 6th, in the evening, and I think it's 6 to 8, or I think it's that time, but it's in the evening, I will be at Grace Lutheran Church in Andover, Minnesota, doing gray area thinking. It would be an excellent opportunity for you to come if you've ever wanted to have my gray area thinking training, which is training about how to become, be welcoming to people who are other or different. Uh, Stephanie's work and mine is, it's very similar work. We just have different approaches. So that's on October 6th, Sunday, October 6th. And then on Thursday, October 17th is my big open house in downtown Minneapolis, where I'm inviting listeners and anyone else interested in my work to come hear about some of the successes I've had, maybe a little bit about my challenges. And then I have a nonprofit, Human Ripple Works. I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Love to have you. If you want to come to that, you need to register for a free ticket. It doesn't cost anything. It's on Eventbrite. Go to the Ellie Krug. Uh, Dot com and then scroll on the menu bar to upcoming events and uh, upcoming engagements, and then you'll see a link for October 17th that you can click on and get your ticket. All right, so I am just back from New England. Um, I spent uh, three days speaking in New England where I did seven talks in three days, two interviews, um, one for a newspaper, one for a college newspaper. I spent uh, two of those three days at Bay Path University in Longmeadow, Massachusetts. It is a wonderful college. It is primarily, well, the undergrad is women only. They, they have a graduate school, which is co-ed. I had many meetings during that day with Bay Path students and faculty talking about their, they have an incredible diversity and inclusion initiative going on. I was also at Bushnell Performing Arts where I gave a talk and did had a meeting with people. Um, it was two of those days, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, were eight, 8 or 8.30 in the morning till 9 at night. I mean, it was a lot of work. My feet were swollen by the time both those days ended, and um, I did think my voice would give out, but thankfully it never did. However, you know what? I never got tired. No, just as I had talked a little bit ago with Stephanie, when you are passionate about the work that you do, when it is tied up in who you are, you know something? Uh, You really don't get tired. You just keep going. Now, you might get a little fatigued, but I mean, but your spirit is strong, and that, that's the case for me. Next week, I'm going to be in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. I'm going to help them, the city, the town. The Methodist Church is bringing me in. That's a little bit of a rub um, for the greater Methodist Church. As you may know, that the Methodists are having a very difficult time around LGBTQ um, inclusivity. But the Steamboat Springs Methodist Church, um, they're very broad-minded, and they're helping to sponsor me as well as some other organizations to come to Steamboat Springs because the, the church and other organizations are, are launching a year-long initiative around diversity and inclusion. I am going to be the first round of that initiative. I'm going to give multiple talks, which includes me speaking to 800 high school students about what it means to be other in our society. 
But right now, um, I want to relay very quickly an experience I had in Massachusetts just a couple of days ago. You know I have this training, Gray Area Thinking, about human inclusivity. It's a tool set on how to be welcoming. Part of that has an audience participation component where I put signs on the walls. You, Many of you remember and heard me talk about this. Those signs represent different identities like age, race, gender, LGBTQ status, socioeconomic class. I have a stone sign for alone, one for afraid. Um, and then I get people up and then I give them prompts and because this is about how we group and label not only other people, but we group and label ourselves. So this module, this exercise, greater, the, the identity game is what it's called, is really about how we, we, we other ourselves in a variety of ways. And when we do that, it's so much easier to other other people. And so I have one of the prompts is the identity that my parents or parental figures stressed for me as I was growing up was. And very often when we do that, I have people who stand under education, of course, or stand under religion or under family. Well, when I was out at uh, Bay Path, we had somebody who stood under the word compassion in response to the prompt, the identity my parents or parental figures stressed for me. And when I have time, and I did in Bay Path, I asked people if they want to share why they're under a sign. I don't compel them to do that and I don't call them but the woman who I would guess maybe in her 40s was standing only person under that sign under compassion in response to the prompt the identity of my parents parental figure stressed for me is growing up she raised her hand she said I want to tell you a quick story she she told this story about when she was a little girl I think less than 10 years old her father had gone to the supermarket there where they lived and he was behind a woman who was buying four items can of vegetables, some milk, some other things. But the fourth item was a package of caramel corn, you know, the, you know, the, um, you know, the popcorn that's got caramel on it, okay? And, um, and the woman um, was getting her items checked out, and as it turned out, she didn't have enough money for all four items. So then she put the car- caramel corn away. She said, well, I can't have this. So, um, and maybe that caramel corn was not for her, but it was for her kids, at home, but maybe it was for her, or maybe it was for someone else. Um, the man, the father of this woman, didn't do anything when he saw that happen. He just, you know, let it transpire, and that's the way it was for him. But as soon as he got out of the store, he started kicking himself, and he regretted that he just hadn't said, "Oh, don't worry, I'll buy the caramel corn for this for this pu- person, this human." And as soon as he got home, he told his daughter the story about that about having passed up the opportunity to be good to this woman, to buy her caramel corn. And as it turned out, this man talked about that, that one incident repeatedly for the rest of his life, sharing it with his daughter and with others, carrying it. Of course, it sounded like he suffered a great deal um, emotionally because his, he didn't act on his empathetic heart. And what this story shows and why I'm telling you this, it's about the power of paying attention, the power of being brave, of getting out of our comfort zone, and the power of understanding that sometimes we will suffer about things if we cannot, if we cannot help other humans. Okay, well, that's it. The show's in the bag, as they say. Uh, Hopefully you've enjoyed it. I need to thank my uh, sponsors, Brending Electrolysis. Uh, tell Bev I send you because she does incredibly great work. And then um, our other sponsor, Better Futures Minnesota, which helps give humans a second chance. And to my producer, Brett 
Johnson, who's actually been earning his pay particularly extra today. Brett, you are wonderful. You know that. And my listeners, thank you for tuning in. Tell others about the show. Please share the links about the world. I'm trying to make this show into something. Go out and have a good week. Go out and be good to each other. And then most importantly, please be good to yourselves. Take care. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.